Hello and welcome to Tomorrow. I am not your host, Joshua Topolsky. This week we discuss 3D printers, tiny phones, and sex toys. I don't want to waste one minute. Let's get right into it. Well, hello. We are back with another episode of Tomorrow. Although I should warn you, Josh is away at a woodworking retreat. If you are a loyal listener of the show, this is the culmination of what has been a season-long storyline where Josh has devolved into some kind of carpentry madness. (laughs) I don't know if it's a Messiah Jesus thing. I I really couldn't say if it's a Nick Offerman masculinity thing. In any event, Woody Woodpecker is out of the building, and we have a replacement host, a pinch hitter, if you will. Look at me with my sports uh, reference. In his stead, we have Evan Rogers. Hello, Evan. Hello. Evan, you are the guides editor at Input, which um, I'm sure people know if they listen to the show, but that extends beyond just simple simple guides. You are our, like, gear utilitarian, like, will, could you survive in the desert with this guy? Yes, yes. That is one of my favorite questions is, could I survive in the desert with this and that's not even a joke. That's literally <laughs> half of my section. <laughs> I, I initially we became friends because I was becoming a doomsday prepper, and we could yes. just bond over yes. it. Of course, of course. I listen. the The bunker industry is like booming right now, and like imagine, I couldn't imagine why. I, know. I couldn't imagine why. But like, God, man, it's just such a bummer because like, if I was like, I feel like if I was like seven years older, I would have been. Whoever the hell it is that you go to and be like, I need a bunker. I feel like that person would be me. The bunker salesman? Yes, absolutely. I'd be like, listen, I have a bunker. What do I have to do to get you into this bunker? <laughs> listen, it's got, you know, it's got uh, drink holders. It's got full air conditioning, power you know windows. The, like, yeah, you know the like in, in the original Matrix movie where um, they like they spew porridge out of that like hose that like taco bell hose like i'm like listen we got the we got the porridge hose we got everything we got all these monitors these like four by three 15 inch monitors with no plastic on them we got those i can understand the need for a bunker since if you look at the news um things keep happening more uh everything is horrible uh hunter biden uh (laughs) did or did not do something inconsequential that nobody cares about um and you know it's uh it's it's good to know that America's like sharp and steady decline um will be stopped by truly nothing. Well, speaking of all of this uh, horrifying world-ending cataclysmic election stuff, uh, there's this New York Post story that was oh, sort of this. the talk of the week. Mm. Um, it, the New York Post published a story about Joe Biden's son Hunter Biden. Um. And we really probably shouldn't go into the details. I mean, maybe we should discuss maybe the topic at hand is if we should go into the details. It's information that is extremely questionable sources. And the information itself, the information itself is also pretty easy to disprove. And so there's this story that it, 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 
it probably doesn't reach the level where a journalist should have said publish. It's extremely politically motivated. It is got questionable sources and it's easy to disprove. So yeah. those are the facts of the story. The story itself, to me, I don't find particularly interesting. It has to do with like Hunter Biden introducing his dad to someone in the Ukraine in order to make money on a deal, which then you end up finding out that that didn't actually, his dad had no say on whether this guy was going to get the results he wanted. So it doesn't really matter in the end. And ultimately, none of this is shocking in a Trump presidency. Like the idea that I'm supposed to think that like Hunter knowing somebody and wanting to introduce his dad to them is shocking in a world where like Ivanka has a private email server and is like wheeling and dealing with Russian oligarchs yeah. over and was building maybe projects. illegally paid by Trump, you know, as a, as a, consultant. as a consultant. And also that yeah. they're constantly staying at their own properties in order yep. at, at inflated rates in order to build yep. the federal government for as much as possible like all of that corruption this story wouldn't have been interesting to me in 2016 let alone now but what they're trying to do is sort of this encore performance of her emails and there's a scandal yes. over emails yeah, and they're trying to find a late game scandal and this is this is right within the um conspiracy theory like greatest hits of like you know the you remember the old conspiracy theory like bill clinton met with Yes. xyz on the plane and like my dad loves that one he loves that one he loves that track on that album um can't stop playing it because like you need this sort of like information gap you need this sort of innuendo this like read between the lines so that you can manufacture the sort of um, because then it can be about anything it can yeah. be about a deal if that's the thing you're willing to believe it can yeah. be about high level corruption if that's the thing of you're course. willing to believe it can Absolutely. be about pedophilia if that's the thing if you're willing a, to believe yeah. it can be lizard people if that so they can just in that information gap in that level of nuance you can fill in whatever you can you fill want. in whatever you want so this story comes out right and it's and it people are upset because it got published people are upset because they believe it people are like hunter biden even though hunter biden will not be in the white house unlike ivanka trump yes. and hunter biden will not have a job in the white house so none of this matters in any event Twitter and Facebook then decide to limit the spread of the story because like Trump's tweets and a couple other like COVID related things or election related things, they've decided this misinformation is so dangerous that they want to limit the spread of it. Some people celebrate this and they're like, this is them being responsible and deciding that they don't want to play party. Uh, they don't want to be a tool for some of the worst people in the world to try to destroy democracy. That seems positive. But then there are people, even on the left, that are saying that Twitter and Facebook deciding what that leaked information can't be disseminated on their platforms is bad because what would have happened to Chelsea Manning or Edward Snowden or any of the, the Panama Papers, these stories that were happy that they came out. Um, to me, that's well, disingenuous. Just a, yeah, it's just a, there's just a huge difference between the two cases. I think that's super disingenuous. <laughs> I think if it's a and verifiable yeah, fact, exactly. even if it's leaked, if it's verifiably true, let it spread. If it is a lie and misinformation, and we can verify that it's most likely misinformation, or there is at least a very good chance that none of this is true, I think it's perfectly reasonable for Twitter and Facebook to say they don't want it on their platforms. It's, well, yes. And so like anybody listening to this, any, anyone listening to this that is not super familiar with the like nuts and bolts of journalism right like the panama papers were provided to a journalist that journalist you know made the correct assumption that this was too big to handle alone and so they took that information because you need to verify it right that's part of the journalistic process you know 
it needs to be actually verified, which is very dubious whether or not the your post did that in a sort of like good faith way. If they, they did were, it they in were, a good, if yes. they did it in a good faith way, they are incompetent and bad at journalism. <laughs> and if they really didn't, bad. then like, they're really politically bad. motivated liars. Yes, yes. And so yeah, in the Panama Papers, they worked with you know journalists from around the world to verify this because that's what makes that's what gives a story strength. Is like you look beneath the surface and there is a supporting ligature of facts that holds up, you know, what actually happened. And that just, from what I could tell, yeah, either wasn't done, like you said, or is just, you know, a very political, political thing. But then in terms of, um, in terms of like Twitter or Facebook and how they've reacted, like, uh, I mean, the thing that just feels bad about it is that they're definitely, they're just choosing. They are telling us, they're like, we're just applying the rules in our terms of service. And then it's all completely arbitrary and completely political in and of itself. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So to every, you know, Republican out there screaming that, you know, these companies are biased and that it's all arbitrary. It's like, you know what? Actually, you're not wrong, but... But, uh, well, they, these companies did also. They also suppressed blue leaks. Like they, they have done yes, stuff very, on the other end of example. the spectrum. Yes. But I would say I don't really care if they are politically motivated. I also kind of don't care because you've decided to make fascism and Nazism mainstream politics, and I would like people to make judgments based on that. I don't yeah. want like them to pretend that all information is equal. Like we are so past the point of being like. Well, you know, we believe our tax policy is being tampered by the Facebook algorithm. This isn't about tax policy, even though I think that, you know, that is important. This is about, like, spreading lies before an election that could have consequences that end democracy. Yeah, I mean, and there's the thing is, is that this is, again, you know, it seems like this has to be clarified at every juncture. It's like, this is not hyperbole. Like, in Brazil, um, the Bolsonaro campaign like you know weaponized whatsapp just to spread just like propaganda lies you know they just they just found you know they did the classic thing where you you know have a bunch of like weird content writers just like making memes or whatever making fake stories and just disseminating them through websites that look like they could be legit and you know that's that's part of why brazil is in the place i mean that's i mean this happened here too but like this is a common play is my point this is like there's a common play and these companies should be wise to it right now and it seems like they kind of are but it is also a little bit like too little too late i'm glad that they're doing it but it's like it, it does feel a little bit symbolic yeah uh, listen i'll take it it's not nothing as as i've said multiple times on this show we need Facebook. youtube we also we need youtube it's it's impossible to have this conversation about Twitter and Facebook doing this without also talking about YouTube. Like I have heard nothing about this story either going on on YouTube, which it definitely is, versus what YouTube is doing to disseminate their like conspiracy theory, conspiracy theory like podcasts that they have on YouTube. The Republicans, their ruthlessness and obsession with power is a self fulfilling prophecy, right? Because it's like they think we're crazy for power despite any like any any um evidence to the contrary like they think that because the majority of people agree 
with progress and agree with human rights and agree with democracy, that that means we're ruthless, that we're like so craven. Um, but it's not that we're craven. It's just like that those are apparently on their face good things. Like people being able to vote is a good thing. It's not like we're at any cost pushing through our agenda. It's the majority of people heard out the facts a long time ago and decided that they wanted to say in government. But because the Republicans see themselves as like, this oppressed minority being attacked by this huge, powerful organization, even when they control the entire federal government, they decide that the only path forward for their like righteous religious war for power is ruthlessness. That means Democrats are given the option of let them be ruthless and destroy everything or be ruthless back and prove them right and escalate this. And right. it's completely unwinnable but, for us. Well, it's definitely unwinnable because that's the thing I was going to hone in on. It's just like it is difficult even to this day for me to understand what, you know, quote unquote, they want. Do you know what I mean? When And like, what is that? Like, you know, I'm still trying to understand the difference in really concrete terms between a Republican and a conservative, right? And then I'm also trying to understand, like, when we think about who is making these decisions and why, uh, you know, it's difficult to tease apart what it is that that this cohort, like, you know, we know that there is a cohort of people that support Donald Trump. And it, I'm trying to understand what it is that they want as a giant group is really, you know, impossible because it's such a large group of like 42% of active voters or whatever. But like it becomes more and more clear to me that this is some kind of religious, um, you know, all, uh, fundamentalist, like religious fundamentalist grab for power. Because like all of these all of these things that we're talking about in the context of the Supreme Court nomination are deeply unpopular, like unbelievably unpopular ideas. And the only people that, you know, really want it want you know this this you know when you look at the polling on abortion you know the the feelings are very complicated you know a lot of people have a lot of different feelings because it is such a complex issue that means different things to different people and but at the same time what our government is reflecting is is that they're like well we want to destroy we want to take the most blunt instrument humanly possible and just make it illegal for you to get this medical procedure I think the majority of people would say there are circumstances in which it is unavoidable that you have to choose between the life of the child or the mother, or the child will die at childbirth. So let's not put the mother through this. I mean, I think there Pete is, Buttigieg is on Fox News just like serving it, you know, serving it right now, which is the craziest sentence I ever thought I would ever say, but. You know. I, I mean, but also I think it's perfectly reasonable that most intelligent people who have religious um, strong religious feelings about abortion would either fall into the camp of those are my strong religious convictions, but they might not be yours. And I need to protect your religious convictions, lest mine be trampled on. Yeah. Also, they might fall into the camp of like, I am pro-life, but let's start. Let's solve the problems that we can solve um, that don't require medical, like a, a medical degree to fully understand. Like let's solve the problems of like, Let's get all the children in this country fed before we worry about whether or not we need to be like forcing more into the world. Um, let's 
worry about like solving the COVID crisis before we worry about whether we should force women to create a larger population. Like, I think that there is a, um, a nuance that most people would fall into, even people that we would classify as conservative on like from our political standing. Well, yes. And I completely agree with that because so many, it was just what I was saying earlier about like, you know, my parents have been like, I'm not a conservative. I, I'm a Republican or I'm a Republican. Or, I don't, I don't know what they mean when they say that. Do you know what yeah. I mean? And like, but I, they would exactly to your point, Ryan, they would, they would say like, yes, I do have complicated feelings. You know, my mom is a nurse. Sometimes there are absolutely cut and dry scientific medical reasons why you might need a procedure like this. And that's just, that's just what it is. And I think that she would agree with you or with, yeah, I agree with that. I wonder if it's like a lack of imagination because like when I talk to my parents about what the party is going after, like now that they're, they've confirmed to me that they're just going to not vote. Mm. I have communicated with them. Like, like when we were talking about this, I'd be like, you know, they're going after my rights as an LGBTQ person. And they yeah. would be like, no, they're not like this country's never going to get rid of gay marriage. Like you're being ridiculous. No doctor is ever going to turn you away because you're gay. Yeah. And now when I show them the evidence of that happening, they say like, well, I don't stand with that. And I don't think it's going to happen. And it's like, is this a lack of imagination? Because like, I need you to understand that it's extremely within a stone's throw of happening. And like, I think that people maybe don't imagine what a world without like a woman, a woman's right to choose looks like, because like when we lived in it, we got the women's movement, right? Yeah, like yeah. when we lived in it, it was so horrible that people revolted and like started entire, like, there was entire organizations just to not even to pursue this right legally, but to like deal with the horrible fallout of the problem of it, it being illegal. And like the kind of, there were whole organizations that were trying to prevent or deal with the consequences of back alley abortions, because that's inevitably the consequence of having like literal no availability for something that's so necessary. It's sort of like when we had, you know, prohibition, People were drinking like turpentine because yeah. like you can't <laughs> tell people that they can't have this completely common thing that is really their choice. Um, and it, it, uh, so I, I think I wonder if it's like a lack of imagination or what it is. But I also think like I want to stop thinking about like I want to stop having to diagnose the problem. Like I the majority of people agree with us like that should well, be enough. But this group of people has has just decided that they want to go about achieving their goals extra democratically. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, but that's why it's that's why but we that's the self fulfilling prophecy of ruthlessness. Well, we have to, the reason why we have to like we can never go back to just not paying attention to politics. And you know, listen, if you're out there and you're like a super young person and you're like politics don't matter, I'm here for the gadgets. First of all, you're you're probably not here anymore, but. You know, this is the reason is and this is why I also bring up the religious fundamentalism. Like, you know, I went I grew up Christian, went to Catholic school for a very long time. Um, And, you know, like those institutions are not evil, but, you know, there are people who believe, you know, in the very core of their being that they are not carrying out their faith unless they are unless they are policing other people outside of their faith. Right. Yes. And that and that combined with the sort of norm breakdown and like the the sort of like social collapse that allows for that to sort of like happen that allows that gives a permission that enables a permission structure for those people who believe that their faith can only be carried out by inflicting it on other people. The permission structure that they need to, you know, 
bend every rule possible, voter suppression, whatever you, you know, whatever means to the end is possible. Like they will not be happy until they have, you know, sort of enforced their faith on other people. And, you know, when you sort of live inside that, you know, live inside that reality, like we are right now, like you're, this is like, to your point about your parents or our parents not having the imagination, like they are not putting the A to B to C of like religious fundamentalism means that my life is, you know, not only are my rights impugned upon, you know, but it also, it just endangers me. And I've had this conversation with my parents as well, Ryan. And they're like, they're like, you're being, you know, you're being hyperbolic. I'm like, mm. Doesn't, well, feel, my, feel, my parents, doesn't feel hyperbolic to me. You know, it feels my like parents a pretty said to me, They said to me, and like, I don't mean to just air all of our shit in public, but like they said to me <laughs> that, well, if you're, if someone came to me and said, your marriage to my mom isn't real, that'd be ridiculous. I would know it's real. And it's like, okay, but you have never literally had to seriously think about what would happen if mom went to the hospital and you weren't allowed to see her or if she died yeah. and you didn't get to inherit anything yes. or like you don't you didn't ever seriously think about the fact that like if you were decide to move to Canada and you weren't married to mom she couldn't come with you or something like that like yeah. you've never had to seriously think about that so you don't know why it would be so bad and like i'm telling you that it would and as a rational person who loves you and you know to be well intentioned if i tell you that should kind of be enough and so i think at this point it's like if if the black community and women are telling us that this is bad and that they don't like these ideas yeah and that they're going to negatively impact them. Like it should be enough. But you know, I I think maybe this like enforcing your beliefs on other people stuff is so foreign to me because like no Jews do this. They don't enforce it on other people outside of the faith. And like Catholics are the same way. Like the other side of my family, like the, the a big portion of my family is very Catholic, but Catholics are like fucking crazy. That's true. Mm-hmm. But they're fucking not crazy. They're not recruiting. Yeah. And they're not, like, making other people do their shit. They're like, Jesus is asking me to do all of this, and I have to do whatever the Pope says and give him money and all this crazy bullshit. But they're not, like, actively... Like, Mormons and, like, Christian um, evangelicals and Scientologists and all these different groups, they're always... And, and, and you know, is, is a religion different than a cult? I would say um, yes, but there's also... Um, a line in America where we say cult starts, and I think it starts a lot earlier than that line. Yeah. <laughs> but they're always actively recruiting or trying to force whole communities to follow whatever rules they've decided on. And th- I think they think it's for like the good of everybody, but they haven't understood because maybe because they haven't been like persecuted, they haven't understood the consequences of of forcing your ideas on other people because until you've been persecuted, you don't understand what it's like to be persecuted or like how you are doing the persecuting. And I, I, which brings me to, we've seen a lot of Amy Coney Barrett at this point. Obviously we don't agree with her opinions, but what do you think of her? Like what's your sense of her as a person? (sighs) You know, I've only seen limited clips, you know, but I, I really have not been following the story too closely because it's, it's very painful because you know, I know that there's nothing that can be done and that basically it's a hundred percent certain that she's going to be confirmed. So I've been, I've been sort of deliberately avoiding it. I mean, the only thing that I could possibly say is that this is a person who has moved through elite institutions, right? Mm-hmm. And clearly, you know, of the clips that I have seen, you know, this is the same thing. This is the same situation as before where the hearing is happening. It's all political theater. You know, 
Democrats try to get their talking points off. I mean, so do Republicans. And at the end of the day, we've got someone who, again, is so steeped in just just elite institutions in general that, again, we have just, you know, in our in our system, we have I guess the point that I'm trying to make is, is that it's still not representation, even in the highest level of the courts like. This is a person who's there for a political reason and not because they have anything special in terms of talent to provide to us. Oh, yeah. This is a person who went through the programs, um, the like correct brainwashing programs and the correct like um, uh, accreditation that they they feel comfortable that given the power they'll execute. She will execute their will. Ruth Bader Ginsburg fought against every Every, you know, the pressure was against her at every single point in her career, whereas this, whereas Amy has only been propelled by, you know, conservative uh, think tanks and organizations. But it isn't even conservative, right? Like, let's draw a distinction. These are Republican because Antonin Scalia was a conservative and, you know, a Republican of his time. And I certainly don't like him or respect him. And I do not believe he is in his Catholic heaven. But I do believe, <laughs> I believe, like, if, if he's right about religion, he is in Catholic hell. Um, I do believe he was a conservative. Like, she is so far to the right of him. She is so far in her philosophy of how to govern and like what the constitution means that he had expressly said that the like textualist originalist um strict constructionist kind of constitutional interpretation was insanity like he said like that's insane and even if even Antonin Scalia isn't going to agree with you like you've gone so far like this is so inappropriate and I don't even think Brett Kavanaugh is that like hardcore republican Right. Well, uh, this is it's so I think this is very predictable this nomination, do you know what I mean? The the question that I have is, you know, I see two two paths where like Nancy Pelosi will either rise to meet this, you know, and <laughs> well, yes. Uh and we will do court expansion. We're done calling it court packing. It's court expansion because it's perfectly fine and cool. But very legal and very very legal, lots of historical precedent Um, or they, you know, shrink away from doing what they need to do and try to play by the traditional rules and lose. Uh Do you know what I mean? They start they continue playing a game that the Republicans have already overturned to the board and started stabbing people. Like it's already like the game that you were playing is like over. They've decided that there are no rules in order to play a game. Both sides have to agree that there are rules. One side has decided that there are no rules and they're not playing the game. So I don't know why you're still moving pawns around the board. Like you need to start stabbing back or running away. Like, I don't know what to tell you, but Um, like, you know, I mean, but what that means is, is that like, there's either two things that can happen and both of them mean, a lot of change you know for for the courts and you know uh, it's either way it doesn't seem like like i guess my i have a little tiny little tiny light in my heart that has hope that we can actually win right (laughs) i on twitter in the last couple of days there's been like oh polls show but uh biden way ahead i'm like i don't trust that is for a, a millimeter but i also think that like several hundred thousand people are dead so you know i hope i but have hope they need because... to they need to actually legislate and like you know we talked about this just the other day ryan but like you know 
climate change is like a pressing problem, like, you know, breathing on the back of our necks. It's like alien and Sigourney Weaver. I know. And like, you know, the, not only does Biden need to have the political will to do something about that, but we need to essentially like, we, you know, that we drove the car off of the cliff, right? Mm -hmm. It's still on its four wheels, but we're like hitting trees all the way down. And somehow we need to get Joe in the driver's seat and like, you know, not only just make it back to the road, but also like speed down the road because we have like extreme problems and like court expansion. It makes me very, it's just like, there's so much bullshit that we have to wade through just to get back to the point where we could even have a conversation about climate change in a real appreciable way. It's so, well, that's what's, that's what's so worrying to me because it's like, we don't have the time to go through a dark ages, like whatever societal cycle, like led us to back to progress. We don't have the time for it. And so like, and we have the data and stuff. So like at this point, like, I I don't know what we're even talking about and, um, that's I mean I have to have hope right like because that's why I'm still here like I I have considered a million times I have come up with a million plans for leaving the U.S. leaving New York at least but leaving the U.S. altogether and just like getting on some other ship where I know I'll survive yeah Um, I would recommend actually so I was (laughs) I would recommend upstate moving to upstate New York for climate change reasons I, I may, perhaps as soon as I can get a house outside the city, I'm going. But that's more for like that's more for like gadget and like tinker reasons than anything else. But yes, um, I will say. Speaking of, the reason that I think all of this strikes me really hard, especially in why we talk about it, at, like we have a tech website, right? And this is ostensibly yes. supposed to be a podcast relating in some way to technology or culture, but like. I think it the reason that it's so central right now is that like technology and science and progress are all based on the idea that like that data is important, that science is important, that intellectuals have something um additive that's exciting and um and to look forward to and like the internet is the culmination of all of those things and technology and cell phones and you know streaming services and all this stuff that we're supposed to be talking about is the culmination of the idea that like progress is worthwhile that like science and data have value and to see the highest level of government turn its like nose away from that and like use the the fruits of these labors like for example trump is using the 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 quote-unquote therapeutics the experimental treatment that he was using to fight covid was based on uh scientific research that only exists because of fetal tissue and experiments on it also also the reason why politics and technology are inextricable it's because like some people have access to the technology they need like you know we're about to run this story about an air purifier they're very expensive you know they're very expensive and people very much need them right now it's not just a nice to have to make your air smell a little bit better like there are people out there who literally need this technology and cannot access it because it's extremely expensive actually um speaking of technology and new stuff let's change the topic um something more uh light uh apple introduced a bunch of new products um this week the home pod is it the home pod mini is that what they're yeah. calling it their little yes. speaker yep. um let's start there uh it looks like uh a pokeball 
that has holes in it. Um, it apparently it sounds great. Um, that's what Apple is saying. My worry and my confusion is like you'd be stuck with Siri. Who wants? See, I mean, Definitely I guess it's more privacy no focused, but like if you want a voice assistant at all, Siri's the worst one. Yeah, well, definitely. Although I would say that, like, you know, it's similar to like we have a bunch of Google Homes in the house right now. And like, you know, when I was working at Vice, like people were talking about, you know, back in 2015, people were like, conversational revolution. We're going to speak. We're going to talk to all of our computers. It's going to change everything. But in reality, we like ask Google Home to uh, turn on the lights, uh, turn on the air conditioner we have like five things that we ask it for, you know? And so like maybe Siri is fine for that. You know, if you, you know, you're not looking, really looking for like crazy answers to, to questions. You're just literally using it as a voice switch or like, if this, then that sort of thing, then like, maybe that's fine. And uh, you know, I guess I, I, I just like, I've had such a good experience with my Google homes with the little displays, the little like nest hub or whatever. I I've had such a good experience with them and they are able to answer basically any question that I've asked Sometimes it misinterprets what I mean, but it does get me like an answer that is at least ostensibly useful. And they're so cheap. Like you can usually get these things on sale. I mean, the Nest, like the literally just the home speaker, the like little Nest mini hub thing without the display, that Mm -hmm. thing is like being given away for free by New York City. Like you could get those anywhere all the time. Google gives them away whenever they're like, here, YouTube subscribers. take Well, you know what I just found out? Um, I just found out that you can organize all of your Google Homes into a speaker group and play audio all over your apartment slash house. Oh, that's good. I, I, I just I just found that out, and uh, it's been great. So I I recently got a three D printer, and one of the things that has been fantastic to just print out on demand are these little wall mounts for our Google Home Minis. Oh yeah. And now that they're all so, so like we I had a problem like it hears they hear Mert just fine but I whatever it is about my voice maybe it's like my little bit of a mumble or whatever. It it has such a hard time hearing me. So raising them up off of surfaces where they're pointing up to like eye level where they're pointing into the room has been such a huge like quality of life improvement. They can hear me now and now that they're sort of like up at ear level having them all playing podcasts or whatever is like game changing for our apartment. It's fantastic. Yeah, I, I have thought about like, you know, the minis are nice. They're not like quite loud enough if you wanted to like really rock out. But yes. so that's a good option to know about. Um, um, yeah, there's just so cheap. I got like two of these Nest hubs that have the displays on them. I got both of them at Best Buy for less than a hundred bucks. Like, but that's the thing that I sort of like. That's the thing that I didn't really like about the the Apple, you know, the Apple, you know, they do the, they do these videos now because of COVID. And so like when they were doing, when they were running their like promotional sort of like demo video of these new um, HomePod minis, you know, they show this family in like a $750,000 house. Do you know what I, I mean? know. Like, I know. and they have multiple, they know they have multiple of these expensive speakers and it's like, guys, I don't, I just like. So out of touch. It's, it's so like out of wild. touch because like, I, like, it makes me feel uncomfortable. And like, you know, we make fine regular person money at this company. And I'm looking we at do. that. I'm like, I'm like, that is, that's like, that's honestly, I'm being conservative. That Those are million dollar California style houses. And I'm million like, dollar houses in addition to, to, to the ability to have multiple kids and spread them out throughout the house. So you would need some of these features yes. and the ability to purchase all these electronics. Really it, expensive it, 
uh, furniture. It, like you get to like CEO money real quick. Yeah. No. Yeah. No doubt. They're like, well, like it's you know they're like this is what we imagine. You're like, okay, so you imagine like the top one percent is like enjoying your speaker. Like there's aspirational marketing, and then there's like guys. I wonder <laughs> when I when I see this stuff. Um, or sometimes when I see like what Elon Musk announces as like his like cool Tesla announcement, I wonder like your products are being designed by people you're paying an obscene amount of money. So your idea of what this product needs to be is so out of touch with reality. It's wild. And you can't focus group your way to understanding that like most people replace these things fairly often. And so like making them affordable is probably your best case scenario. Like just because people pay a lot for a phone doesn't mean that they're willing to pay a lot for accessories or even their laptop. Like I I look at the price of Apple computers and I'm like, I get that people have in recent past been able to pony up two grand for a computer or put it on financing or something. But the economic situation is such that like, if I needed a new computer right now, I'm not spending $2,000 on a computer. Like it's just not, and I am a technologist. It's just not in the realm of realistic, especially if it's not like a gaming PC that's going to last me five to 10 years. This is exactly why like this is such an interesting year because COVID really has changed. Like I think our inner perception of what's valuable and like before we could all, we could all like get on board with Apple's sort of like incremental March towards, you know, creating products for the 1% and like fuck everyone else. But now that we have COVID, it's like, you know, people are looking at like a new cell phone and they're like, uh, this, so this is like 5% better than my old cell phone. Mm, Maybe, maybe I'll just, maybe I'll just, uh, hold it. So like, you know, there's a reason I can't, just something blows my mind about Apple. That's just like, they looked at this, this, this market segment, right? Mm -hmm. They're like, Bluetooth speakers are flying off the fucking shelves. We got to get in on that. And like, they're like, okay, let's look at the market. What do we got? Okay. Everybody's buying some really cheap, really shit JBL Bluetooth speakers. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The the ones with all the lights, you know, just absolute bottom of the barrel, cheap as humanly possible. And they're like, you know what we got to do? You know, people are looking for <laughs> like a $40 Bluetooth speaker. What if we take this all the way to the top? We're going all the way to the top, baby. Hundreds of dollars. That's what people want. Well, it's their idea of like, we'll make a better product and then like, we'll set whatever the fair market price is and people will pay for quality. And it's like, they will in certain circumstances, but yes. we're not in those circumstances right now. So it just feels out of touch. And it was a really bad way to set the tone for their later the announcements yeah. of their iPhones. All right. So let's get into that. There are new iPhones. There's the iPhone 12, the iPhone 12 mini, the iPhone Pro, 12 Pro, the 12 Pro Max. I think that's it, right? Like those are all the iPhones? Yes. 12 mini, 12, 12 Pro, 12 Pro Max. Yes. Okay. That's wild. First off, there are so many iPhones. Like yes. I, I truly, and I've been saying this for a long time, but between the watch and the iPad Pro and like the, uh, the largest Pro iMac, we are now in a territory where you could draw any square from like <laughs> your of like your arm width, like your entire body length. You could draw any square and Apple will sell you a computer in that size. <laughs> <laughs> they they introduced the iPhone 12 mini, which is uh, our coworker Cheyenne's dream Ooh, come true. Yes. It is a oh, very goodness, tiny yes. iPhone. Um, it's not as small as they've done in the past. Like it's bigger than the five. Is it bigger than the five? So I measured it, is, it against. It is very slightly larger than the five. I measured it against uh, using like one of those like comparison websites yesterday. I just wanted to see if it was um, bigger or smaller than my partner's Pixel 
4, and it is mm-hmm. much smaller than the Pixel 4. So the Pixel 4 is like the smallest phone I commonly interact with, you know? Uh, Mert's, Mert's phone. I just, I just, I pick it up sometimes. I'm like, God, it's so small. Because I have a OnePlus 8 Pro, and before that, I was using the Note 20 Ultra. And this Pixel 4, I'm like, damn, that is small. And the Mini is even smaller. But I think you're right. It's the, the, fi- the iPhone 5 slash SE was majorly it, small. It's hard to remember how tiny the like original iphone or like the iphone 4 was like it's hard i think for people oh yeah because it has slowly gotten <laughs> so large that i think it's five inch screen it's just hilarious to think about on the original iphones i remember thinking like what a huge screen <laughs> i know well, that was back when like the psp screen were like whoa we could watch i could watch a cinematic movie on this yeah i could screen. watch wow. spider-man on this <laughs> um yeah, so they introduced the mini. They introduced the regular, normal iPhone in a bunch of colors. That's all well and good. The main event, I think, for for them and for us was the Pro phones. Now, the Pro phones have some insane camera features that... I, I, were you excited about them? I felt like maybe you were lukewarm in Slack, mm-hmm. even though I've heard good things. I'm not a camera person, so it's hard for me to say. So here's what I would say about the cameras. First, the there is an annoying difference between the, the Pro and the Pro Max, which is number one annoying just it's it's just i just don't like it because i don't really want i don't really want the max like it's six i can't remember what it is but it's almost galaxy note sized right it's enormous yes and that and so you get so like where to even begin on this so like iphones for a while and part of the i've done a lot of reporting on camera on smartphone camera uh sensors in particular and so the iphone has had a one over 2.5 inch uh camera sensor for a very long time and by this point that's that's very 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 small. Um, the Note 20 Ultra um, sensor, if I remember correctly, I don't have my spreadsheet in front of me right this second, but I think it's like 380 times, or sorry, 380 percent larger than the iPhone. So we're talking like almost four times larger than the than the iPhone screen. And so like Apple's like big advancement for the uh iphone 12 pro max is a camera sensor that's only it's only 40 percent larger right so we're still talking about a sensor that is still considerably smaller than the just regular ass sensor that they have on the galaxy s20 you know the galaxy why, s20 why is it that that when i see camera comparisons i mean the iphone looks great it i looks usually great. prefer I'll tell the you, way it looks i'll tell is you exactly software? why i'll tell you exactly why because apple actually engineers the lens so like you know you're every company has to balance their you know r&d between like the sensor itself the lens that actually goes in front of that sensor and you know all of the all of the you know electronics and code that go into like turning that into an actual like image right and so like in my big piece about the note 20 ultra like yes it has a gigantic sensor that is theoretically possible of really great things but they put an absolutely terrible lens in front of it and it just looks really bad you know i don't want to be too you know negative about it because there are some redeeming things about about samsung's camera setup but like they are whole hogging it in the sensor department and not a lot else is going on whereas apple has kept the sensor size small but their their lenses are actually very sharp and one of the things that's new is this new seven element lens and you know more elements doesn't necessarily mean that a camera is better but the reason why you add more elements is to control for distortion and so like when you look at a picture from a note 20 ultra and you're like technically this looks good there's a lot of bokeh but like for whatever reason it just looks 
mushy and kind of just not good. It's because the lens is just not engineered very well. And so like, that's why I am actually very excited about um, the new iPhone 12 Pro Max is because yes, we do get a little bit of a sensor bump, but that's not really the appeal. The appeal is, is uh, a really great lens. Yeah, well, we hope, I mean, obviously we need to test it, but like in theory, they already have a good lens. Let's assume that it gets a little bit better. That'd be great. And then also to your, to your other point, Ryan, like uh, I think Apple's color science is some of the best they've had some, I mean, not, it has not always been that way. Do you remember the second year that they, after they came out with their smart HDR and yeah. people were like, this kind of like looks insane, <laughs> Yeah. but they have gotten a lot better over time. And, and that's why I think that like, when you look at these pictures from the iPhone, you're like, wow, these really look good. Even though they're taken on a uh, comparatively extremely small sensor. Um, in the largest, the iPhone Pro 12, oh, these names, the iPhone 12 Pro Max, um, that also is coming with a LiDAR sensor, which it, it's I the think kind both of pros have a LiDAR sensor. I could be completely wrong about I think that, but I think the, both pros have it. Well, in any event, um, it, it is a sensor that y- you're used to hearing about being on a self-driving car and it will, mm-hmm give a reading of where things are in a room and Apple saying it will make their focus faster and better and it will improve AR stuff. But what's confusing and weird to me is that like, it's very unApple to introduce a feature in either one or just like one part, yes. one tier of their phones. Yes. Because if it's not present in all of them, apps don't really get incentivized to build them into their, like to build those features into their app or to do things that you would need those features like to accomplish um and so then it never really takes off then apple decides it's not a good feature and then they pull it from the product line even though i think lidar could turn into something kind of cool with ar um i mean i need i am also that's part of the other reason that i'm thinking about um getting getting this iphone actually which is a huge which by the way for the listeners would be a huge step for me i am a major android uh apologist (laughs) evan is the person who has purchased multiple sony phones sony android phones their lenses are very good (laughs) you have to be so into android to purchase a sony phone (laughs) yes 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 um but so like as i said I, i got this new 3d printer it's kind of changing the game for me not gonna lie i you know had one specific use that I needed it for. And it turns out it's great for everything. And so like recently I wanted to make a mount for the battery on my electric bike. I made my own electric bike and, but mounting this like 10 pound battery has been the bane of my existence. And like, if I had this iPhone with the LIDAR detector, I could really easily make a scan of, of the bike itself and just like slap together, you know, uh, a 3d model for a mount. And like, I tried to do this. I literally tried to do this on my Android phone using just like, you know, they're like, use the camera and spin around it. It yeah, was right. absolute trash, complete waste of time. Um, and I ended up just like engineering this bike mount anyway. Um, but it would have been, it really would have cut down like hours of me, like tinkering in this design program. If I had had this LiDAR detector. Yeah. I hope, I hope that Apple actually sticks it out with like new features like this, because it is something obscure that people don't totally understand, but that has opens up a whole bunch of possibilities for new and interesting use cases in the way that like the accelerometer did. Um, But they're going to need to roll it out to all the phones for anyone to give a shit. So like, I don't know, I'll pick one up and like, I'll play with the features, but I would like to see it make it outside of just like the, top tier pro line of products well i mean maybe that makes sense though is because like having it in the pro line of products like for the longest time pro has meant nothing in apple context like you just needed a macbook pro because it's the good one you know Mm -hmm. 
but like if the phone like that is a pro feature like part of the reason why i like android is because i I need to do shit that you're not supposed to do you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. i need to install emulators i like you know if i want to have like a weird like wi-fi i don't know like if you want a uh, BitTorrent. <laughs> yeah, if you want a BitTorrent, if you want to do like I mean I need to like I need to like read radio signal levels, like DBI signal levels in my fucking apps, you know what I mean? And like there's shit I need to do. But if if Apple like lets me do that stuff, then that's great. I mean, I still think it's a cardinal sin that you have to connect to their um like from a sustainability point of view, like you cannot if you unbox a new iPhone or a new iPad, and you don't have access to the internet, you cannot use that hardware. And I yeah. think that that's from just a sustainability standpoint. You know, app. Another thing that Apple, you know, in all of their conferences, they tout sustainability. But then, like, as soon as you know, if there's ever a future where Apple's servers are not reachable, every unboxed iPad in a warehouse or something is completely useless. And that's my soapbox for today. Speaking of sustainability, <laughs> <laughs> they announced that they will not be including power bricks or ear pods in the case with new iPhones, which yeah. they're saying is so good for the environment and it makes their shipping packages smaller. And But the alternative side of that is that lots of people don't have those things and that means it's an extra added cost for them or they're going to open up their phone and realize they have no way of charging it. Yes, yes. So there's been a couple of like stories in this vein that are sort of circulating right now. So like one of them is that like because um these new iPhones uh, support a very cool new form of MagSafe, People are recirculating that story about how um, uh, wireless charging is really Ill- inefficient. And then, you know, there's this one about there's a story that that you mentioned about um, not having adapters in the box. Uh, I'm trying to think of the other one that's circulating right now. Oh, yeah. That like game streaming is also not like sustainable. And it's like. I understand the impulse, right? Uh, but I also think that we need to be pretty chill about like, you know, blaming the end user for, you know, like, for example, in the game streaming one, like game streaming is not going to become an environmental risk because, you know, unless it becomes a popular thing, which it's not yet. And then also there's like lots of efficiencies to be gained by consolidating like you know running a computer in a warehouse that's like perfectly managed for running that computer is inevitably going to be more efficient than you know running it in your house do you know what i mean yeah i i think what we're saying is like i am super 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 environmentally focused i am super concerned with climate change i am super concerned with the planet but I think if we're going to start somewhere, it's probably from for my bet, it's probably not with game streaming or with the power brick that comes with your iPhone. I think it probably starts with Exxon. Like, let's if we're going to take this effort. I mean, yes, every little bit helps. I totally agree. But I don't think I think it's like rearranging lawn chairs on the Titanic right now. And it's very inconvenient for the end user. And I think like if we want to make meaningful difference with Apple's impact on the climate, we probably shouldn't be buying iPhones every year. Yes. See, that is that is where it's really at. And I think that, you know, this is sort of a media criticism from me you know which is like you know i get it that you that like apple is hot that day and like it would be good to write a sustainability story because we needed to think i mean with any new consumer product that goes out to millions of people we do need to think about sustainability but like if you're dying to write a sustainability story there are you know i could point you in a lot of directions it would probably have a little bit more of an impact do you know what i mean like there's so much that there is so much that's going on with like um you know 
if you want to talk about the iPhone, let's talk about lithium ion, like cobalt mining. Do you know what I mean? Like if you want to put well, effort into that, like let's let's go a little higher on the food chain than people's like whether or not you get a whether or not you get a, a, a charger. Well, that's what makes it so hard to believe Apple when they're saying they're doing this for environmental reasons, right? Like they're saying we don't put ear pods in the packaging because you probably have one from an old iPhone and we want to protect the environment and we don't think we think it's a waste to keep giving these out. Yes. Which is fine. That's cool. Which, Whatever. Which is one thing to say, but also you should disclose that you're saving money, right? Like this is saving you money even though you're charging more for the phone. Right. And your AirPods are probably one of the worst consumer electronics you can purchase for the environment. Oh, They're yeah, phenomenally absolutely. bad for the environment. Like the the batteries, the uh, the the ability to lose them, the fact that they're completely unrepairable, the fact that that's they're, the huge thing. That's I the mean, huge thing. Wireless charging AirPod cases are so inefficient. I mean, it's 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 almost comical to for a company that makes AirPods to pull EarPods, the ones that are environmentally friendly, from the packaging of the iPhone and say it's for the environment rather than for Apple's convenience. Like, I would rather Apple just be honest and be like, I mean, Nintendo at one point was selling the 3DS, the new 3DS without a charger. And yeah. they were like, you got to buy another one. We don't want to, we don't want to pay for it. And it's like, uh, yeah, at least you're being honest. Yeah. Like, well, like you have them. They're separate. You can buy one if you need it. But like lots of families have these. So, you know, they're like, oh, fuck it. Yeah. I remember. Well, I mean, they're at, the attitude is important. Like Nintendo's. I remember this perfectly. Like Nintendo's attitude at the time was just like, yeah, that's not in there. Deal with yeah. it. You know what I mean? Like it's not in there. There's Go no buy like, one. You probably yeah. might already have one. If not, you have to buy one. Too bad. Yeah. And that to me, at least it was honest. This Apple performance is if like they truly care about sustainability. I'm sure some people at their company do, but the actual entity that is the company, the corporeal human, as the Supreme Court has decided that it is, right. does not care about the environment. So at least be honest and be like, you know, some people in the company were pushing this for sustainability. It also saves us money. Um, and and to, in, in complete honesty, we'll take $20 off the price of the phone or whatever. Um, and so if you want to buy one, you can go buy one. Yes. Like, well, and then also like uh, there's there's and I know that Apple I'm I, actually I'm not sure of this 100 percent, but I'm pretty sure that Apple does like donate to some, you know, uh, environment and sustainability well, they gotta, causes. Got to keep those taxes. Down. Oh, yes, exactly. But, you know, like. I mean, just the other day I was watching, you know, the Tesla battery factory video and like right on the heels of that, like, I think, you know, they were talking about extracting lithium from the desert. Right. And like Elon made it sound trivial. He's like, yeah, you know, we take some dirt out, we extract the lithium, we put it right back down. You know, that's Elon. Right. Like two weeks later, I, you know, write up this little story about Patagonia's um, public trust documentary about, um, uh, you know, what happens when you open up you know, federally owned and public lands to mining. And let me tell you something, you do not, you do not simply put the dirt back. It is not the same afterwards. Um, and so like, you know, like the Apple, if you, you know, it's, it's just hard for me to get behind you on this. You know what I mean? Like you, it's very good marketing, I'm sure. But like, there is so much more that can be done from a supply chain standpoint for sustainability that I'm not hearing shit about. Listen, Evan, if you end up buying an iPhone, I invite you to come back on this show and give us your like long-term viewpoint of the product and its shortcomings. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I certainly I... can't wait to see what MagSafe cases you purchase to snap on the back of your iPhone. Oh, certainly. Well, I mean, like, actually, I mean, the, the MagSafe is a really cool feature because I could see, you know, there's, you know, there's a possibility for really cool stuff. Like I could make a 3D printed case with that MagSafe feature that would be pretty friggin' tight. But here's what I will say. 
I will not be. And you can, you know, when that when you when that happens, Ryan, you invite me back. I will not be using iMessage. You know, even no, though, even you though won't? it will be no. That's even the biggest be, benefit of having an iPhone. I refuse. I refuse. I refuse. All right. It's bullshit. Also, uh, Apple needs to, I mean, Apple needs to like incorporate RCS. Where's uh yeah, where is that reporting, guys? You know? Yeah, yeah. iPhone iPhone blogs, where's the RCS at? We're not talking about that. You know? Evan, I hate to tell you you're gonna have to write this piece before the show goes up. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> um all right. Well, that's I think where we should leave it for the week. That's a lot of news, a lot of discussion. Let's move on to nice things. Nice things. What are your nice things, Ryan? My nice thing this week is, and there was only the one, um, <laughs> I really have enjoyed watching The Haunting of Bly Manor. Um, I can't say that it's good. Like, I don't think it's, like, high art. Mm-hmm. Um, Haunting of Hill House was the original season of the, like, haunting series on Netflix. I think Hill House was a better show. But Bly Manor was a lot of fun, and I had a good time. And the end of it is, like, a Morty's Mind Blowers, where you're just like, oh, my God, all the pieces of the puzzle box fit together. And I had a fun little escape and it was a spooky Halloween time and it was very stylish and um, and there are very attractive people in it and it makes American Horror Story look like amateur hour. So I would say check out The Haunting of Bly Manor. Don't expect it to be like a horror show. It's not like a horror. It's not like blood and guts and jump scares, but it is definitely creepy and it will have you in suspense and watching um, and like running through the whole thing. And there is one character in it who I love so much. And if you watch the show, you will know who it is. An adorable, wonderful person with a pure mind and spirit who is done dirty on that show, but um, who I stand forever. Um, uh, and you should uh, you should definitely <laughs> watch it and, and report back with your love for her. Um, and uh, otherwise, uh, this week has not been very nice, at least from where I'm sitting. Um, but please tell me what I could enjoy in the week to come. That would also be nice. Did you talk about um, the sex toy that you reviewed between last podcast and this podcast? I did not talk about the sex toy that I reviewed. Because that's, that's probably a nice thing. I mean. <laughs> okay. Let me – I'll jump into this. Yes, that is a nice thing. That was a couple <laughs> weeks ago. I reviewed a sex toy that they sent me, um, which is called the Arcwave Ion, which uh, it is a, like, masturbator sleeve, but you don't – manually jerk yourself off with it it sits on your penis and it uses air vibrations to stimulate the frenulum which is this bundle of nerves on the underside of the tip of your penis uh that is also present um on the clitoris for people with vaginas um and so it says that it can simulate a female anatomy biological orgasm in a like assigned male at birth anatomy Mm -hmm. um and I gave it a spin, and uh, it was phenomenal. <laughs> um, I don't know if this is actually what people with clits are feeling when they come, but of I course, can say yeah. whatever it's doing, whatever it did to my dick is <laughs> fantastic. So good. You don't like use it or move it. It just kind of sits there and does its thing while you like watch porn or whatever. Um, but it's so good, and it is such a gift. And if this is what uh, the other side is having every day. Like, I don't understand how they get out of bed. I truly, if you have a clit, I have no idea how you're getting out of bed all day long. Um, it's phenomenal and it's great. And I, it's also like $200. So yeah. if that, that's a, that's a, that's a steep price for something that I can't even put into words what it feels like, but I will say it feels so good that you should definitely give it a go. Yeah. So you should definitely read the piece 
you know yes read the um, piece get informed get informed read the review you know you need to know there's things you need to know before you go into a 200 dollars sex toy purchase but i will say i wouldn't i have purchased sex toys for like 50 dollars and gotten a lot of use out of them and thought that's a lot of fucking money for like a dildo for sure yeah i mean but this yeah. thing i have never felt anything like this in my life and it kind of felt like i was purchasing a trip to a theme park like i got to experience something that i would never have experienced and to me the price is pretty fair plus we're like my partner also has a penis so we get double the use out of it <laughs> there you go there you go so my nice thing well, the, i listened to the show i think it was last the last show but i started watching the boys because of you and josh's uh, glowing recommendation hell yes and that show is so just bananas the first few episodes really kind of all over the place yeah um but it it definitely evens out and um you know, the acting is really bad, but in the way that I love. I love mm-hmm. each and every character and their absolute inability to deliver a lie <laughs> <laughs> in the perfect possible way. I like that the main character, Superman guy, is clearly the gayest man I've, I've ever seen on TV. <laughs> but he's theoretically straight, which only makes it more just just what it is. So you should watch it. Incredible. Um, and then, like, you know, I have been, you know, this 3D printer is is a recent addition. I know I've mentioned it a couple times, but... It's an Ender 3 You're printing Pro. up a storm over there. I am. I am. It's an Ender 3 Pro. Um, it's actually got a pretty big build area. And so what I got it for is like I really want to be able to, you know, I did this big piece on the OnePlus 8 Pro and its camera, which is incredibly good. Um, totally took me by surprise. I, You know, OnePlus has been putting pretty mediocre camera, not terrible, but like pretty mediocre cameras in its phones for a while. So I've, you know, was sort of going off of that existing knowledge but they completely surprised me with the one plus one plus eight pro it's got a huge sensor and for you know uh uh is it 48 yeah it's 48 megapixel uh pixel count and i really wanted to use a moment lens on it but there's no cases so i was like well time to take things into my own hands here and see if i can print a moment lens compatible case i have not succeeded ryan (laughs) it is way harder than i thought to do that but yeah. in the meantime, all these little like whatnots and knickknacks that you can that you can print are just game changing. Like any sort of little situation you find yourself in, you can 3D print some kind of solution for. Like I needed hooks to hang my like I have a bunch of like backpacking bags. Those are all up on the wall now. Um, all the Google Homes, like I'm saying, those are all up on the wall now. We need a doorstop all of a sudden. Good. And the thing that I think is crazy about it and that I lo- that I really like and I know this is part of the original sort of like you remember you know how vr there was that moment where everyone's like vr is the future but before that 3d printing is the future and we had our like you know our cory doctoros out here being like uh a manufacturing revolution is about to happen and obviously that hasn't happened right i I would say that these 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 predictions of these things being the future are correct but they're going to take a lot longer than just the iphone exactly and my 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 the point the reason i bring it up is because like yes you know these things that pop out of the 3d printer, you know, they take a long time to print. Um, but the fact that, but it's also so convenient because like, for me, think about this, Ryan, I had, you know, I was putting up some shelves and I have this one wall that's like crazy all over the place, wobbly, right. Or like, you know, the surface is not straight and plumb. 
right? So I needed shims. I didn't have any shims. And so I just went on my computer, got into Tinkercad, which is like a 3D program for like children, which is pretty much where I'm at. <laughs> and I just made these shims and I printed them out in like 30 minutes, popped them behind the shelves to, equ- you know, to equal out the waviness in the wall. It was good to go. And I didn't have to go anywhere. I didn't have to do anything. And I, I used the exact amount of plastic that I needed for that purpose. I didn't have to buy you know, like a 20 pack of shims on Amazon and have them physically shipped to my house in a truck. You know what I mean? I just printed that shit out in 30 minutes and it was, it's phenomenal. You know, it's, it's extremely convenient. And also, uh, you know, I think a lot of people listening to this probably also saw the like early 3d printing boom and like, you know, people going, you know, over their tin cups about 3d printing, but you know, the software has gotten considerably better uh, and the actual filament itself. Like it used to be that you would print out these little, you know, these little knickknacks or whatever, and they would look like absolute dog shit and the plastic would be terrible. But now that the printers have gotten better, the software has gotten better and the filament itself has gotten a lot better. The pro- the stuff just like looks and feels like pretty good. It's, it, well, it's that's as good what as I was going to be. ask. I remember playing with 3D printers back at like the Engadget Expo or something yes, like five yes. to 10 years ago and Absolutely. being like, this looks like dog shit. It's a fun idea, but I'm never purchasing one of these. And then now since then, I've had stuff 3D printed and then mailed to me. Like there are those services where you send in a design, they print it and they mail you the finished product. Yes. And I've opted to get it done in either metal or extremely, some extremely metal like substance. Mm-hmm. Um, and that to me feels phenomenal. I had a, an adapter printed for my analog Vega SG um, so that it would fit the 32 X would fit on it. And I could mm-hmm. use the 32 X with it. Um, which is, of course, like a th- problem only I have. So they don't actually physically make the adapters. I had to like get a design and tweak it and then have it printed and shipped. I had it done in like this metal like filament. I don't know if it technically was metal or if it's lead and I have lead poisoning, but it feels great and it's so smooth and it looks phenomenal. It looks really like a finished product. Obviously, I don't think you can do that like level of quality with like a, a home. 3d printer i don't think that's possible but what is the like options for you when you like put the beads in or whatever yeah yeah so on so there's two there's two types of 3d printers that you can have at home um one of them is like uh it's an additive printer it's like fdm where you literally have like a print head that goes back and forth and it like deposits little pieces of of uh plastic on a bed and then there's also sla printing where a bed goes from from up top down into a vat of like resin goo and then a laser hardens it up from below you know i like like, that that's the one very cool it's very westworld but the only downside is is that the the goo is very toxic and so you need to use gloves and uh it releases toxic fumes so this is really like a shed garage type printer but (laughs) but if you you know you know for like minis or something like you cannot beat here i'll say two things like for the the additive printer that I have, it was very cheap. It was two hundred bucks, right? And it prints great. You know, the level of value you get from it is is fantastic. Again, it's the Ender, it's the Creality Ender Three Pro. No, they have not paid, but they're pretty much the only one you can get it, like a micro center. So that's what it is. But there's a lot of different filaments, so you can get uh, PET uh, PLA is really easy to print, and you could just like blast that out. It's very cheap. You know, it just prints like a dream. You know, but it's not very strong and it's not UV resistant, so. That's that. You can get Wait, pet. If it's not UV resistance, does that mean it degrades in the sun? Yeah. Like if you use it as like a car part, you would be sad. Oh, okay. You know? Um, 
But you can use PETG, which is a food-safe plastic. So that's what water bottles are made out of. Um, that is a lot more durable, but it's it's more difficult to print. And then you also have the PLA-infused uh, filaments like um, carbon fiber and PLA and mm. uh, aluminum Maybe and that PLA was what... and water. Or sorry, not water. Uh, uh, wood and PLA. I was thinking about Ooh. how water water soluble it is. And yeah, with with that, you can make a little something or other that you can sand. And then you can stain it and it looks cool, <gasps> right? That's so cool. Yes. So, you know, you need to make a little like figurine or something. Um, a wand. Yeah. yeah a, exactly. Oh, Ryan, a wand. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you could make, you could literally, you know, steal the like wand model out <laughs> of your favorite Harry Potter video game or something and print that shit if you needed to. Trans rights. Um, yes. Yes. But, <laughs> you know, the SLA printers are so detailed that like, you know, I find, you know, my partner is a, is a doctor and like, it's interesting that like with the technology you could get at home, like if he was like an orthodontist or something, like he could print out an extremely detailed like model of someone's teeth. You know what I mean? Like you're the, <laughs> the ability to just like really bring something to the physical world, you know, is really cool. Oh my God. I'm going to print, um, I'm going to print one of those, like, you know, people have those like body pillows that they lay with oh. and they like take it on dates. I'm going to print an anime character and take it on a date. I mean, you absolutely could. I mean, <laughs> if you look, I mean, <laughs> 3D printing YouTube is its own little hole. And like the number of like Iron Man helmets that have been printed on the big printer, you <laughs> wouldn't even imagine. The question is, is like, what do you do with those? Do you wear it? You know? I found a guy online who will make you like literally the exact Iron Man entire suit out of metal to your exact body specifications. Wow. It lights up. You can say words and then the helmet will open. It is like the full fucking suit. The thing costs like $7,000. Of course. Absolutely. <laughs> but I did, I did for a moment think like, what if I saved up for like a couple of years and just had an insane Halloween? <laughs> I mean, that would be cool. The cool thing is though, is that like the like home manufacturing movements that I, I'm like hurtling towards is like, you can get a CNC machine so you can work on metal. You know what I mean? Like you could make yeah. whatever that thingamajig is out of metal, but you just need a, a little bit of a different setup. And like, you know they have plotters like i i'm also doing a lot more like sewing and like bag design lately so like i'm thinking like you know if i had a house then i could have like a like a 3d <laughs> laser plotter and then i could just like roll out a, a yard of, of fabric and just have it cut it perfectly i'm like man so catch many different evan, cool things catch evan in town polsky yes exactly <laughs> all right well that I think is where we should leave it. Thank you for coming on and replacing our fearless leader. My pleasure, Ryan. Thank you. Um, we will be back. Um, Josh will be back. Never fear. Uh, but thanks for hanging out with just us. And uh, you know, please vote. Please go register to vote. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Your family, your family is, um, has been hanging out with Hunter Biden and I'm not saying something happened, but the New York Post certainly thinks so. (laughs)